to let's generate our motivation. Really listen and share together so that we can make our lives meaningful, so that we can contribute to the welfare of others here and now, and so that we can attain full enlightenment in the future to really be able to effectively guide others and help others out of cyclic existence. topic is complaining and we've certainly heard enough of that in our life usually when we think of complaining we think of other people complaining right because we don't complain we just tell things as they are right yeah isn't there some kind of difference when we look at this situation when other people go on and on about their problems and what's wrong with the world and what's wrong with themselves or well, how they feel bad, that's complaining. Okay. But when we're unhappy about something and we tell somebody about it, we're not complaining, we're just stating things as they are. Right? <laughs> And so we're very perplexed when other people think we complain. You know, I went through most of my my life wondering why my parents told me to stop complaining. I wasn't complaining. I was just, you know, stating my view or expressing myself or sharing my emotions. I wasn't complaining. Very perplexing. Why they thought I was complaining? My goodness, wasn't that at all? So I had a, a few different thoughts about complaining. I've been away for um, three and a half weeks. I was studying in Madison with one of my teachers, and uh, so living in a different community there. And and so, uh, you know, communities are are famous for complaining. Well, not only communities, people, you know. And a community is any time you have more than one person. So you have the complainer and the listener. So then, you know, as soon as you have a community, you have a complaint. You know, because finally you have somebody to listen to you. Um, <laughs> so I remember when I, when I arrived there, there was somebody I hadn't seen for a while. And instantly she started complaining. Of course, in her eyes, she didn't see it as complaining. She just was telling me about her life, and, you know, she was living in New York, and it was difficult, and trying to, you know, organize a center, and the other people weren't cooperative, and they were backbiting and doing this and that and the other thing. And I'm sure in her mind, she didn't see it in the least as complaining. Um... I did. (laughs) 
you know. And I also saw the way that complaining, as I listened to it, led her into a deeper and deeper rut. So it might have started out with, you know, these people do this, but the end conclusion was, you know, kind of my life is just all wrong and I have no capability to handle these situations and I don't know why I'm in these situations to start with and life is unfair and no, no, no. Okay? So it was very interesting to watch how it started out with a complaint about somebody else and devolved into complete uh, state of, of emotional paralysis, you know, where you, you feel kind of completely like, you know, everything's going wrong. Uh, and so since I was going to be living with this person for the next few weeks, and her room was next to mine, <laughs> and, and both our rooms were in front of the front door, so every time I walked in, yeah. so, and also, uh, you know, I was watching my aversion to listening to constant complaining. Um, but I was also seeing that it didn't get her anywhere and made her much more unhappy. And so I just kind of said, um, I don't want to hear you talk about yourself that way. You know, you have many good qualities and you have a lot of things going for you. And there's this difficulty but I'm sure you can find a way to handle it. And, you know, I, it's, I really don't want to hear you put yourself down like this. Yeah. And so I, had to, I said that a few times over the first few days. And it, it kind of, I think it, you know, it, uh, I don't know how much it changed her mind, but it, it changed a little bit what was coming out. Um, so that was one reflection on, on complaining. And so making me think about, you know, how when I'm complaining, then people react to me in the same way that I reacted, you know, sometimes with this aversion of, I don't want to be anywhere near this person because all they do is complain. And to think that somebody would feel that way about me. Poor innocent sweet me, they wouldn't want to be around me, especially in my pain and my need. But, you know, I can understand it. <laughs> you know, because it's hard, you know, to hear somebody complain. And especially when somebody, when it devolves into this thing of self-criticism and giving up on oneself then that's especially hard to listen to because that you know isn't true and that you know the person's so stuck in. You know? And yet when each of us get involved in complaining, do we ever have that reflection about ourselves that, gee, I'm sitting here putting myself down, limiting my own abilities, telling myself I have no resources or no courage. But maybe that's not true. Maybe I'm seeing myself in a very limited way. Okay. So what I'm getting at is 
whatever way I look at another person in a situation, whether I look with compassion because they're putting themselves down, or I look with aversion because I don't like to hear complaining, whatever way I look to flip that around and say that's how other people see me, that's how I appear, and you know, what can I do about my situation so that I don't inflict disturbance on other people's minds? Communicate? You getting what I'm saying? Okay, so that was one situation. Then there was another one, because I go to this um, community every year. I've done so for maybe 12 years now, 13 years uh, for the teachings. And so, uh, in past years, what usually happens is, uh, you know, everybody who's in the community wants to tell the, the visitors everything that's been going wrong in the community. You know, oh, somebody new who's not one of us, they don't know what this person did and that person did and the bad situation here and the bad situation. You know, because you can all, you, you fight with the people in your own community, but you have to complain about those people to somebody else. Yeah? You can't complain to the same people that you're fighting with. Yeah. Well, you can't complain about the people you're fighting with to the people you're fighting with. Put it that way. You can complain to them about other things, and that's what you quarrel about. But you can't complain about them to them. Okay. So when somebody new comes, ah, now I can complain because they haven't heard. <laughs> okay. And so this year, I didn't ask anybody how things were going. You know? I, I watched because, you know, part of our mind, it's like we like a little bit of gossip, you know, tell, tell me who, what's going on and who isn't getting along with who and, you know, it's kind of interesting and then you see how everybody else is wrong and then the conclusion is, well, I must be a good person because I don't do that. Yeah, which is, you know, complete garbage also. But, you know, so it's one reason I think that sometimes we like listening to to what's going wrong with, with other people in, in their lives or workplaces because then we kind of sit back and say, well, I don't do that, thank goodness. I'm, I'm a good person. Uh, uh, so I didn't ask anybody how things were. And uh, I steered conversations away from that. And I noticed um, by doing that, I noticed two things. First of all, how much more peaceful my own mind was and how much my mind got disturbed by listening to other people in previous years. And even in previous years when I didn't actively solicit the gossip, when people came to me because maybe I'm a good listener, but they they came to complain, how much their complaining had affected my relationship with the people they were complaining about. Even though years ago when I listened to it, I would say to myself, this hasn't at all been my experience with that person. 
or with those people. My experience has never been like what this person is talking about. This person is really, you know, kind of going off on deep end. But even though I was aware of that when they were complaining to me, I noticed that it still adversely affected me. Yeah. And it wasn't a good way to be adversely affected. Because as soon as we let negative thoughts about other people enter our mind, and we've heard these negative thoughts from other people, you know, then it it affects our feeling of openness and trust and so on with the other person, even though our experience with them may have been very, very positive. Yeah. So it made me really aware that, uh, again, flipping the situation, that when I complain, you know, it actually becomes, even though I may not think of it as creating disharmony in somebody else's mind, the effect very often is that I'm creating disharmony in somebody else's mind. Now, having said that, does that mean that we never talk about problems with other people? No. Because sometimes when we have problems, we need to talk about them with other people. Or when things aren't going right, they need to be brought up and aired out. But it's the way we do it that's important. Okay? So... If I complain about somebody else's behavior and just complain and complain, I don't know about you, but I notice that when I complain, I'm not really seeking a resolution to the situation. I'm basically venting. Okay? Now again, I don't know how that is for you, but when I complain, I'm... I'm not really trying to resolve it. And in fact, if somebody offers some good suggestions, I usually say, yes, but, because I want to repeat my complaints because my ego is getting something out of complaining. You know, like it gives me very good reason to feel sorry for myself. Yeah? And if... To get out of feeling sorry for myself, it means I have to change my mind. But my ego is getting some benefit out of, you know, poor me. Okay? So, to realize that when I'm complaining, I'm saying negative things about somebody else, but I'm not really seeking a resolution to the situation. I'm not really seeking advice. I'm basically venting and dumping. And that's what leads to the adverse effect on the other person. That either they don't want to be around me when I'm like that, or I'm saying negative things about somebody else that adversely affects them and creates disharmony in their mind. On the other hand, okay, so that's what complaining is on one hand. Then there's two other situations. One is a situation where I'm having some interpersonal difficulty with somebody and I need to talk to somebody else about it because my own mind is stuck. Now, 
at that kind of situation, I go, and I might say a little bit about what the background is, what the other person said or did, but at that time, the main focus of my conversation is, and I own this, how I'm feeling and how I'm looking at the situation. So that differentiates it from complaining. Because when I'm complaining, I'm saying they did this and they did that. When I'm talking about a problem that I have with somebody, I'm saying I feel this or I'm looking at the situation in this way. When I'm complaining, I'm not looking for resolution. I really don't want my listener to say much except poor you and you're right. But when I have a problem I'm discussing with somebody, then I actually want feedback from the other person because I know that I'm stuck and I'm seeking their perspective so that I can see a different way to look at the situation so that I can resolve the difficulty and the problem in my mind. Okay? You see the difference there? Yeah? So, you know, there's times when we very much need to talk to somebody else about a problem, but that's very different than complaining. There's another situation where the other person may actually be doing something that is unethical or damaging, and it needs to be made known to other people and not kept a secret. And again, that is different from complaining. Because when I complain, I'm just pointing the finger and making that person bad. And again, I really don't want the other person to do much except feel sorry for me and tell me I'm right. Whereas if there's a situation where somebody is acting inappropriately or doing something harmful or damaging and it needs to be brought to the attention of other people in order to protect other people or in order to get somebody who can help the person who's having a hard time and doing the inappropriate action. you know. So there your motivation is different. But there the way... You know, I talk about the person is also different because I might go in and say, you know, I, this, I have some information that I think you should know about so that you can decide how to act or, you know, what to do or say to a community, I have some information that we need to discuss so that we can figure out how to help this person or how to protect these other people. Okay? So, in that case, I'm stating my purpose for talking about the other person's behavior. And so it's very clear that I'm not just trying to put them down. You know, I'm trying to actually do something that in the end is going to be beneficial. Okay. And it's very important to distinguish all these things because sometimes, you know, in not wanting to gossip, we don't bring out things that need to be talked about. 
And we let a bad situation perpetuate because we think if we talk about it, we're gossiping. Or we may be having some negative reaction to this situation. And because we're angry and upset about it, then we say, well, I'm angry and upset. I shouldn't talk about it until I absolutely positively have no anger and upset about it. So we let this bad situation continue for one year, for two years, because we're trying to stop our anger about it. But in the meantime, somebody else is getting hurt. Okay, so that's not so good. We may, even though we may have some anger and upset about it, we uh, we can go to another person or to the group and to own it and say, I am angry and upset about this, but I think, you know, I still, and I don't want to create disharmony, but this is information I think people should know about. And at least if you know, you investigate, then you can make up your own mind how to act in the situation. Okay? So there's all these kinds of nuances and how complaining is different from other situations that I really want to talk about because I often find that people are very black and white in their way of thinking. And when you talk about the disadvantages of complaining, then they, they put everything in that category. It's kind of like when you talk about the disadvantages of attachment, then people put everything in that category and think that they shouldn't have any preferences, they shouldn't have any aspirations, you know, that aspiring to become a bodhisattva is attachment. You know, they misunderstand, you know, because they don't understand the subtleties of, of a situation. So that's why I'm trying to talk about it like this. Okay. On the other hand, if I just talk about it complaining, where we are all quite aware of what I mean by complaining and how it's different from sharing information, how it's different from asking somebody else for help with with our problem. You know, if I just talk about the situation of complaining, then, you know, it, it's it's another thing. And then we can really recognize, you know, start to look in ourselves about what's going on when we complain. Yeah. Instead of <laughs> nudging the person we came with and saying, you see, she's talking about not complaining. You better listen. Because <laughs> I'm complaining about you complaining. <laughs> yeah. But instead to take the whole discussion as, you know, our own personal advice and, and really do some introspection about when we complain. Okay? And when, you know, we think that we're not complaining, but in fact we are. And to, how to differentiate complaining from asking for help, from sharing information. You know, how do we know the difference inside of ourselves between that, between those? Okay. And so finding that, you know, I gave you some some 
sharing some reflections I have. But we have to be able to evaluate and assess our own mind and our own situation and see when we're complaining and when something else is going on. Um, Shanti Deva uh, said something very nice that, that uh, applies equally to complaining as to other things. You know, it applies to worry and fear and and so and anger, which is you know if you can do something about a situation, do it. If you can't, then you know don't worry about it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be angry about it. And similarly, don't complain about it. Because, uh, you know, that's where complaining just becomes venting. I'm, I'm angry. I'm upset. I just want to spew it out on everybody else, thinking that somehow it will make me feel better. But usually after a good situation of complaining, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a good session of complaining, I'm with you for an hour and I talk 59 minutes about, you know, how bad somebody else is, okay? That even after I do that, I don't really feel better about myself. And I don't usually feel better about the situation either. Yeah? So if complaining actually served a good purpose in making myself or the other person feel better, then there might be some reason to do it. But it doesn't at all. I don't know about your experience. When you complain, do you feel better afterwards? No. I mean, on one hand, the internal pressure is gone because we might have been holding something. You know, so that internal pressure is gone. But do we really feel peaceful about the situation we complained about? No. You know, the situation is going on. And usually after I've complained, I also feel somewhat embarrassed because it's like all I've shown everybody all this junk inside of me. Because that's what complaining is. I mean, I'm complaining about the other person's behavior, but basically what I'm doing is showing all my bad qualities. Well, not all of them. (laughs) Some of my bad qualities. Because they're evident, aren't they? When somebody complains to us, that other person's bad qualities are very evident to us. So similarly, when I complain to to somebody, my bad qualities are quite evident. So then I usually feel kind of embarrassed and kind of ashamed, the the good kind of shame, like... Ew, you know, <laughs> if that person doesn't talk to me and if they avoid me, uh, I'm going to understand why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you feel that way sometimes, kind of embarrassed and shame. Like, ugh, what are they going to think of me? If they think badly, it's for a good reason. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so uh, it doesn't really, the complaining doesn't really solve the problem that I thought it was going to solve by releasing the, the bad energy that I, that I have inside. And I also notice one, one indication for me when I'm complaining is 
that, first of all, I want to talk a lot. I don't want to stop. And second of all, when the other person does offer some help, my response is, yes, but. Okay. Now, flip the situation around. When somebody's telling us about their problem, and we try and offer something that's going to be helpful, and they say, yes, but, how do you feel and what do you think? I think they don't really want any help. They like where they are. Or they're just not willing to look at their responsibility in this situation. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, they like where they are. They're not willing to look at their responsibility. They're maybe expecting me or somebody else to save them. Yeah. So they don't want to do anything from their side to fix the situation. But, you know, if they, you know, somebody else could save them, they might accept that. And so that brings in this whole weird dynamic that they, what do they call it? The drama triangle of the victim, the perpetrator, and the savior. Yeah? Because there's the person who's complaining about the perpetrator kind of wanting the other person to save them in some way. Even if they can't. Even if you can't save me and go and clobber that other person, you know, in whatever way you clobber them, verbally, physically, you know, whatever. Still, you know, you're, you're saving me because you're allowing me to feel sorry for myself and to avoid accepting responsibility for my situation. So it doesn't do much good. I find, you know, I give, somebody can say yes but once, and on the second time, usually by the second time they say yes but, I'm irritated. I know irritation, I'm a Buddhist, I shouldn't be irritated. I'm irritated. (laughs) You know, like, I'm trying to help you, why are you saying yes but? So, so then, you know, of course I try and work with my irritation. But, but I also say to the person, well, what ideas do you have? You know, throw it right back. Because, you know, it's your problem. You understand it better than I do. What, pro- what ideas do you have about how to work with this person or how to deal with this situation? And then they usually say, but you don't understand. <laughs> You're rolling your head. <laughs> but you don't understand. And then they repeat the situation again. <laughs> and when they start to do that, then it can be very helpful to actually say the situation, say what you're hearing back to the person. You know, 
I understand you're in a situation that's very difficult for you, where you feel other people are treating you respectfully, where they're doing things behind your back, where they're, you know, you have something to offer and they're not letting you contribute. And I know you're upset and you're angry about that. And that's why you're talking, you know. And so then the, the person kind of, at that point, they may feel heard and they may stop the complaining. Or they may say, yes, you're absolutely right, and then repeat it again. <laughs> you know, which at that point, that's when I get much tougher. And because that, at, by that point, they're usually going into the, but I'm helpless because I'm a catastrophe mode. And that's like what I said I, I did with my friend. I just said, I want to hear you talk about yourself that way. It's not right. It's not true. There's no reason for you to put yourself down that way. So, those are a few thoughts about complaining. Are are what we complain about? Everything, anything. You know, we complain about other people. We complain about our health. Yeah, we can go on and on. Oh, my little toe hurts. My little finger hurts. And, you know, this hurts, and that's uncomfortable, and, you know, on and on and on. Yeah? How do you feel when you listen to somebody who complains about their health? Exhausted. Exhausted? (laughs) No, sometimes it's legitimate. Like... They're trying to sh- they're sh- sharing their fear. Mm-hmm. So up to a per- certain point, I think I try to you know be compassionate to imagine how I would feel with their illness. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think it's legitimate. Other times I okay. But see here, this is again where I would differentiate between sharing information and sharing my feelings and complaining. Yeah. Because if somebody is, you know, is sick and, you know, and they want other people to know their medical information and they do want some emotional support because they're scared, that's one situation. But in my mind, complaining about my health is something different. Yeah? I feel sad about being so healthy. <laughs> ah, <laughs> makes you feel bad about being healthy, huh? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like survivor's guilt, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I find myself annoying when I hear myself doing it, so I kind of try to offer compassion because I know that from from their side they are suffering. Mm-hmm. And I think we staying up to a point. Mm-hmm. instead of getting annoyed at the other person to realize to tune into 
not the facts about their illnesses, which is what they're talking about, but the underlying feeling they're trying to convey and to state in words the emotion they're feeling. You know, it sounds like you're scared about what's going to happen. And then that can change the, the, the situation completely because then instead of repeating the medical stuff again and again, they're going to go, yeah, you're really right, I'm scared. Yeah, this is a real scary thing for me. And at that point, when they say they're scared or they're angry or whatever it is they feel, at that point, then we can actually offer some assistance with that, you know, and give some emotional support or, as you know, as Dharma people, give them some ways to think about the situation that could uh, help relieve the fear. Mm-hmm. I just in in reflection of this past year, if I found that after a while I was talking a lot about my physical situation with people because they were concerned, and it was looking back on it, I had always identified myself as a very healthy, strong person. That was my reified identity. When I got sick, I started to construct another identity around being sick, not being healthy, not being able to have the kind of so I actually used it as a as a building of an identity and also underneath that was the fact that I was afraid because I wasn't capable of what I used to be able to do and so I kept finding, finding for myself why do you keep having to tell your story about what happened what happened is that I was honestly very afraid of what was going on with my body because it was the first time in my life that I'd actually had that kind of experience, but I, I couldn't name it for a very, very long time. Yeah. And then I think finally, with some support from the community, I got to identify that it was a fear of mm-hmm. aging, sickness, and death. Right. Starting to arise. And yeah. I had yeah. it. Right. And so sometimes helping the other person name what is actually going on with them yeah. is, is quite important. Yeah. It seems sort of like complaining is. Uh, a useful tool to transform your fear into anger. Seems <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. like that's really the purpose. Yeah. Like we have some kind of fear of something, and and you know maybe we don't notice that we're afraid, mm-hmm. but then we you know we get the the uh, inappropriate attention and we just kind of like hammer on it with our minds until we get annoyed enough about it that we can be angry and then go do something. Do something about it, like about, that play. Yeah, yeah, well, because once you're angry, then you're going to do something, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. You know. But it's like, you know, we complain enough until it builds up, and then we can just kind of like, okay, I've had it. I'm sick of it. <laughs> well, I hear you saying a few different things. One is that we start to complain because we're afraid. Yeah. And so that we're, we're, we're fear, we don't understand our fear. So we complain, and that transforms the fear into anger. And then, and then I also heard you saying, but if we get angry enough, then sometimes, maybe, we get tired of listening to ourselves complain and tired of the anger, and then we try and seek a solution. Well, Is that what you were that saying? That wasn't what I was saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what were you I'm saying? saying? I'm saying that, that we complain so much that we then get sick of complaining and because we're so angry. We kind of like build up our anger enough through our complaining about the situation and mm-hmm. constantly 
going over what's wrong with the situation, why I'm you know suffering because of someone else or because of some situation, until we're until we've built up enough anger store, you know, in our you know back of our minds that then we can just you know unleash our fury to go deal with the situation, mm-hmm. you know, if we don't deal with our yeah okay so you're saying if we don't take care of the anger we keep on doing it and doing it we get so angry and then we really let it out on other people Mm-hmm. It seems like what John Paul was saying could be interpreted two different ways. One is, and I think this is where he was going, that so you have this situation that for whatever reason you're reluctant to act on, so you complain and complain and complain until it builds up into action, and then you do something. But he could also be saying that you have a situation and through your habit of constant complaining, which is obviously so much fun, but you're rehearsing your feelings, your negative feelings about this over and over and over and building it up to anger and even building that anger and it all could have been prevented by just mm-hmm. shutting up at the beginning, which <laughs> is no fun at all. Yep. <laughs> which is rec- and how do we shut up at the beginning? is by recognizing that that we're afraid. I was going to say that about when Cindy was talking about you know, illness leading fear of, of aging, sickness, and death, but the other fear of people who are not feeling well or entirely capable is the fear that no one cares. You know, you've lived X number of years and you've had all these relationships with fellow professionals, yeah. and here you are, desperately ill and feeling fearing that you can see the end, and everybody else is at the beach. Yeah. It's, it's really a daunting feeling that here I am, you know, I'm so beautiful, watch it. And nobody else, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's actually, you know, one of, when they talk about the disadvantages of cyclic existence, that's one of them, is that we go through suffering alone. Yeah. So, I mean, even if other people are there, it we're still suffering alone. But what you said also, that if somebody else is there, somehow just some other contact, even pets, you know, that's why pets, somebody understands. Yeah. I mean, our, our wish to be known, to, to share our feelings, and then to think that everybody else is at the beach and nobody cares. And then that can lead to a whole other complaining system, can't it? Yeah. Yeah, how these things really build on each other. Not only am I sick, but nobody cares about me. After all I've done. After all I've done. After I've been such a good friend to them. (laughs) Then they just walk out on me when I'm suffering. Well, it's even worse. They're going to bring their towels back and expect you to... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, here I am suffering and, you know, and sick, and they're going to call and complain to me about their petty problems, you know, as well as bringing their laundry home. Yeah. I think, too, what it uh-huh. perpetuates when you have that mind is um, whatever pain you are experiencing, it quadruples because of that oh, kind yeah. of mind. Yeah, completely. And, so, and people, then it just perpetuates and, oh, I don't want to be sick because look at the suffering. Yeah, yeah. Well, whenever there's a, a situation and we are afraid of it or react with aversion to it and we're pushing it away, then the mind goes into incredible spasms of suffering. You know, it's like, I don't like reality. I don't care it's reality. I don't like it. It shouldn't be real. It shouldn't be happening. Life should be different. And that that brings on a whole new level of pain that's especially mental pain, especially if the initial problem is physical. You know, physical pain is one thing, but our rejection of the situation as this whole element of mental pain that is often worse. Mm-hmm. Isn't there also a, a lack of clear understanding of impermanence? Yeah. Uh, or a lack of, of attachment? Yeah. That, that we're attached to so many things. Yep. Yeah. I, I was thinking, you know, yeah, we, we can feel bad because nobody comes and, you know, gives us all kinds of things, but how many times have we also reached out in that same situation where someone was needing us? Mm-hmm. And then, oh yeah, they're sick, but you know, they'll get over it. I'm too busy doing other things right now. Yeah. So that, that you know, it's a cause and effect mm-hmm. to, to some degree too. Yeah, yeah, very much, very much. You know, so that aversion to what's happening, it's definitely, like you said, uh, a, you know, a, a lack of understanding about impermanence and a lot of attachment to and a lot of expectations of how, how somebody should be treated. And we never, you know, or seldom stop to think, oh, maybe I have forgotten to take care of other people when, when they needed help. More reflections on complaining? Yeah. Um, I went through a lot of anger lately and complained and trying to understand also what was going on. And what came up is, I may be wrong, but I think it's somewhere related to kindness. Mm-hmm. When I was young, my mom was often complaining. She was doing a lot for others and they weren't being kind in return. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of what I perceive as it's not fair. There's no fairness. And myself, I saw, I said, uh, that I was closing myself on not being open and kind and just do my best. But I was seeing myself, stopping myself of being kind because I thought the other one wasn't kind either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, this whole thing about sometimes 
there's a, a feeling within us, a natural feeling very often, to be kind. But sometimes if we look at the person that we want to be kind to, we say, well, but they haven't given to me, and they haven't done this and that for me, or they won't do this and that for me, even if I am kind. And so then we hold our kindness back. And I've noticed that, that especially in our culture, you know, America is really founded on this thing of being fair. Yeah? Which means I get more benefit than you do. <laughs> okay? That's what, that, that's what we consider fair. Yeah, exactly. You know? Fair means I get more benefit. Um, but but we're always looking at even interpersonal relationships as like a business deal. You give to me, then I give to you. And you have to give as much to me as I give to you. Otherwise, it's not fair. And you're taking advantage of me. Okay? And so that way of thinking is seeing kindness as a commodity of exchange. Yeah? And that is when we can get really tied up and, and our heart shuts down. Because yeah. you aren't giving me, you aren't paying, I'm giving you something and you're not paying me. And in this country, nothing happens for free. You know? Okay? So if you want my kindness, you've got to be kind to me. What we're trying to do in bodhisattva practice is, and because we all like to feel that our kindness is appreciated, is to appreciate our own being kind ourselves without the other person having to appreciate us for being kind. In other words, taking joy in being kind from our side instead of looking at kindness as a commodity that's got to be equally exchanged. Yeah. So that if I'm kind, I feel happy just about being able to be kind. And I'm not sitting there with my little checklist. And complaining. Yeah, yeah. You that kindness. yeah, right. You know, I gave you this kindness, but you owe me... You've owed me for a few months now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you don't pay up, uh, you know, I'm going to turn you into the, the police, which is called, you know, I'm not going to be friends with you anymore. <laughs> yeah. So now, does that mean that we let people take advantage of us? Now here we have to look at what does it mean to take advantage of somebody and who decides when somebody's taking advantage of somebody else. You know, and how do we define taking advantage of somebody? That this actually would be a very good topic for some discussion groups, you know. What does it mean to take advantage of somebody? And who is it that decides it? Yeah. Is it the person on the receiving end who says, you're asking too much of me, therefore you're taking advantage of me? 
Or is it the person on the asking side, you know, or the doing side, who's, who says, oh, actually, I could do this for myself. Why am I asking for help? Yeah. And what does it really mean to take advantage? Because yeah. lots of times, you know, I, I, people will talk and they'll say, somebody's taking advantage of me. But I really wonder when they describe the situation to me if from the other person's side they really feel like they're taking advantage of somebody else. Or even for an impartial objective viewpoint, which there is no such thing. Um, But if there were, (laughs) you know, if it would actually be called taking advantage. It's a very kind of tricky thing what that means. Um, the community helped me to, to really uh, look at is it really the reality and yes. my mom who thought that nobody liked her and blah 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 when she passed away mm-hmm. there was no play, the parking was packed and the road was blocked mm-hmm. and she thought she never been loved and mm-hmm. they never saw so many people yeah. You know, showing up. And the mind is really tricky. Yeah, isn't it? You know, so many people loved her and she couldn't see it she and she thought it was unfair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think that part of for me the fairness too is that what I give in kindness is a particular strength or whatever. What person what, what what sets me up sometimes is that what I want back is similar to what I feel capable of doing. Mm-hmm. When in fact sometimes people's kindness comes in another form that I I don't open up my view of what kindness actually can look like. Yes. So if it doesn't look exactly what I think it should look like, it's not there. But in fact there's kindness coming my way but I through whatever conditioning I can't identify or I'm too attached to the form in which it will be returned. But yeah. I don't see the kind of coming in. Yeah. I think this happens a lot in, um, in families and in very close relationships. Yeah. We're expecting kindness to come in a certain form and it comes in a different form. So we don't think it's there. But people have very, very different ways of showing kindness. I think sometimes um, in the past you could have had a friend or somebody that was unkind to you. And in the future you generalize and you think that person was unkind to me. Mm-hmm. Therefore, without even giving a chance to that person, you're ready close yourself because you're afraid oh, yeah. of her. Yeah, yeah. That happens a lot. You don't give other people a chance. We just assume that they're going to hurt us or whatever. Okay, so sit quietly for a few minutes. So maybe uh, take this, try and make it a little bit personal and, and reflect on our own complaining when we complain and how we want to work with the fact that we complain.
let's dedicate. Dear Tillis, Magnificent, attain the enlightened state of Guru Buddha, that we may be able to liberate all sentient beings from their suffering. May the precious Bodhi mind not yet born arise and grow, with that born have no decline, but increase forever. 